the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Lots to cover today. I hope you are having a great week and uh, that all is well in your world. Uh, we uh, just so many things going on uh, over the weekend. Uh, we had um, the Democrats forced through another massive spending bill. Uh, includes tax increases, as you saw. If you get my daily email. What you need to know, the wink, the daily wink. If you get that, you would have seen on Monday morning when I sent it out, Grover Norquist. Grover Norquist is he's he's relatively famous for a number of things. He's been a longtime Second Amendment proponent. He's been uh, a well-known organizer of center-right politics. Uh, he actually has been masterful at, uh, at, at creating a center-right coalition. All those things are important and interesting, but he's really actually famous for his anti-tax pledge, his taxpayer protection pledge, which in the uh, late 80s, uh, before Reagan left office, it was something that he had spoken to Reagan about Ronald President Reagan. And he did that. And this basically says, if you run for office, you sign this tax pledge. and You say, I'll never raise taxes. I pledge to the, the voters. I'll, I'll protect the taxpayers, the taxpayer protection pledge. And it's a very effective tool. Um, so but Grover Norquist said about the uh, the passage of the tax increase over the weekend, he said, don't blame cinema or mansion. Blame every single Democrat because they had 50 any one of them could have stepped away from a tax increase and it would have stopped and they didn't. So we could talk about that. It's more spending, more printing of money and all and a tax increase at the same time. And we're supposed to sort of smile and say, oh, well, you know, for the 47th day in a row, I think that's what the Biden administration was quoting. Uh, gasoline went down yeah, by like a half a cent. It's still up about about 60 percent in the last two years. So anyway, we're, it is a mess. Inflation is going to be worse. The so-called um, Inflation Protection Act or whatever the title they had, it should have been called the Inflation Protection Racket uh, that they passed again with the tax increase and all that. They now admitted it won't it will not change inflation. It will not help. That's what they have admitted. I think Bernie Sanders was the one on the floor of the Senate who said so. So it's more spending for Obamacare. It's hiring a bunch of IRS agents. It's just, a, you know, it's this is a Democrat priority to continue to grow, not just not just the spending, but the power and the scope of the federal government. It was a bad weekend. It was a bad weekend. But I want to shift gears a little bit because I was having a long conversation with my father-in-law who lives out in California, and they are in the midst of a, a dry period. Uh, he lives in Simi Valley. It's very dry. They're not allowed to water their lawns. Their lawns are all brown. In Europe, they have a, a drought now. There's a drought that's uh, hitting all across Europe. Uh, and um Different countries are reacting differently, but they're even in Great Britain. Uh, they've got a drought, lots of lots of dryness, lots of dryness, which brings me to this point. And I, I asked Mark Schneider on the phone, on the uh, texting machine. I asked him about this uh, over the weekend. I texted him. I might get him on the show to talk about it. But here's how stupid our politicians are, our elected officials. They're fighting about things like climate change, where whether you believe Al Gore or Greta Thunberg, they've all been wrong. 
So, <clears throat> excuse me, whether you want to say Al Gore, what a what a thoughtful guy, everything he predicted is wrong. Now, some of it's wrong by a magnitude of a gazillion. But some of it's wrong by just a little, but it's been wrong. Greta Thunberg, wrong. All the things that they predict about how climate is going to be impacted and more importantly, how we can fix it, spending trillions of dollars while the Chinese and others don't change behavior at all. It's all dumb. It's all crazy. That's what they're spending their time on, right? They're spending their time lecturing the world on natural gas and oil. Meanwhile, in the last five years, as Trump said over and over, President Trump, then the Germany was shifting to get more reliant on natural gas and oil from uh, from Russia. But here's so here's what I've been thinking, and I'm going to ask Mark Schneider. He taught me everything I know about uh, about Generation Four nuclear. Generation Four nuclear power is a a power plants that are built. um, You can build a lot of them. You can sort of mass produce them. It's the wrong word because you're not going to produce a thousand of them, but you can produce them regularly, and they're smaller, and they're have two great features. One is they can't melt down the same way that the drama you saw at Chernobyl and other places that doesn't work that way because they've changed the science of it. And number two, all the waste that they have, it can consume its own waste. It uses the waste over and over again until it gets down to almost nothing in terms of radioactive waste. So it's a big deal, Generation 4, and and it's coming. And across Europe, by the way, the French, Germans, are turning back on their nuclear power because why? Because it's actually green. It doesn't use oil and gas and they're getting oil and gas prices are too high. So they're going back to nuclear. They're going to do it carefully. They are doing it on, I think, generation two and uh, and uh, generation three. They're not doing it generation four, but generation four is coming. And what Mark Schneider and others taught me, Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger has written about it, is that if we get to the point, and excuse, not, not if, when we get to the point where these generation four nuclear plants are set up, we're going to change everything because you can have 50 of these deployed and you could have one in every state. You could have one in every major city. You could have communities built and they could say, as part of our building, we're going to start a community. It's going to have at the center of it or at the side of it or something. One of these generation four nuclear power plants because they're safe, because they're smaller and because it just works. And once you do that, you drive down the cost of uh, of energy so that anything's possible, which brings me to my point. I, I texted Mark Schneider and I said, Mark, how come next to these massive oceans, say California, with California's economy of, of I don't know, uh, tens of billions of dollars. In fact, they got so much money from COVID and they had so much, they had money left over, I think, this last year. And they're spending it on all kinds of things. Why couldn't, why didn't, why doesn't, Somebody figure out a business model that says, I'm going to put a generation four nuclear power plant right next to the coast, right next to a massive desalination plant. And I'm going to turn the salt water because the problem with desalination, as I understand it, I'm not a scientist, but I was asking my father-in-law about it, is it takes too much energy to get the salt out of salt water. And you're basically spending way too much energy. The cost is too high to make it work. But once energy costs go so low, go down so low because of nuclear power, and you could desalinate in a plant next to a nuclear uh, generation four nuclear power plant, and you could do it at the off hours, right? You don't have to, you wouldn't have to. That's one of the things about when you're creating energy, the demand, the different times of the demand, managing that demand is actually really important. It's really done very carefully so that you can maximize the, uh, 
the value and also conserve and all. And, and so, but you, so you could do in off hours when, when the system allows it, you could be even better. So I, I can't believe, and I asked Mark Snyder, I said, is anybody doing that? Because I mean, not, not every problem, but almost every problem becomes fixable if you could get water everywhere. If you can get water, you can everything from uh, from uh, uh, food and uh, and agriculture, uh, animal, uh, all those things that have to do with the food supply chain can be changed dramatically. You could change the living environment where people live. If you could live in places right now that are that are, are drier and you could live there, you could change the density problems in cities. You could do all kinds of things. Once you get to that point, the forest, uh, the fires in California, and my prediction would be, again, I was talking to my father-in-law about this, the fires in Northern California, especially there's one big one way up on the, co- on the top of the, uh, of the state of California, but down through Simi Valley where he is and all through the, it's all so dry. And every year, we end up spending tens of billions of dollars to repair damage of lives and, and homes and everything that have been disrupted because of the dryness. And it's not always a drought. It's every year. It's every year in the summer. It's not just a drought. It's not like the once in a generation drought. It's the whole system, how we're living, how, how things have been structured. So why, why isn't somebody why? And so the response of Mark Schneider is that so far, most of the big power companies that are getting generation four orders in, they're ordering their generation four, uh, are, have not paired it off with diesel. Not, not most, all of them. No one's paired off their uh, nuclear power with desalination, but somebody should. Somebody should. And here's my final point. If California is so successful in terms of business and weather and real estate values, and it has been, the cities are a mess, right? LA and San Francisco, these dumb prosecutors and all, it's terrible. But you know, Santa Monica, I was just somebody was telling me Santa Monica, the homeless everywhere, all kinds of stuff. It's a disaster. That part's a disaster. But still, California's economy is booming. And the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, he could have been, he could be a visionary if he said, I'm going to solve these problems. California's going to lead the way on desalination, on, on power, nuclear power. This is going to change the whole world. The world. You change the whole world when you can do that. Parts of the world, Africa, the Middle East, places that are too dry cannot be dry and things can change. And he can't, he doesn't do that. But you, you can't be the governor of Rhode Island and do it. You can't be the governor of Wyoming and do it. I guess the governor of Texas maybe could. But if, if, the, if the legislature and the governor of California or Texas, one of our biggest states that had the vision to go forward to this, change the whole world. It would change the whole world. And they didn't do it. And they, they, instead, they're spending hundreds of billions on uh, solar panels again and windmills and all sorts of stuff that doesn't, doesn't tr- change the need, doesn't move the needle, doesn't change the dynamic, period. All right. We got to take a break. When we come back, we've got a lot more. But, but, excuse me. Be, um, let me remind you, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for that daily email, the Daily Wink, which is where you would have seen my comments I mentioned earlier uh, that uh, came out early Monday. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. A great honor. We've been sort of playing uh, email or phone tag for about a week. Our next guest, uh, Blaine Pardo, uh, he is an author, a creator. I just was telling him off the air. Um, I always enjoy talking, as my listeners know, Blaine, to especially authors, but people that are creators, creative people that have uh, figured out different ways to communicate, especially. And so uh, Blaine Pardo, over on Substack, uh, there's a Substack uh, that is, uh, uh, I'll put up on social media and he has written, he's been, he's writing about his experience 37 years. He's been a writer. He's been a writer creator. And yet in the last um, two years, it's been from complaints of a few people. He's basically being canceled at least with one publisher, but I'll let him tell the story. Uh, Blaine, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. And let me say uh, his uh, the, I think the newest is the newest one, Blue Dawn. He's an, a, a political thriller, a conservative political thriller. I think the newest one is Blue Dawn. Is that right, uh, Blaine? Uh, it's the second book in the Blue Dawn series. It's called The Most Uncivil War. That's right. Thank you. I, that's what I was. I was confusing myself as I'm looking at these notes. OK, great. So first of all, tell me tell me the arc of your career. I mean, you're a writer for your sort of day job. Then you start writing these thrillers. So just walk us through your career, how you got to the point where somebody decided that your viewpoint needed to be <laughs> less uh, heard. Well, you know, I I. I've been writing in the Battletech universe, which is a science fiction and gaming universe. I've been writing in that since 1985. Um, this has been, you know, I've been, I've written 20 novels in the series and 25 plus source books, countless articles, a whole short stories, etc. cetera. Um, I had a stalker, which a lot of conservatives do, uh, an online stalker who is making accusations about me. Um, they complained to my publisher uh, along with one other person and tried to get some of my books actually pulled from publication. This was about hmm. a year ago, year and a half. Um, my publisher said this is, they, they claimed that there were hidden messages promoting the Confederate States of America in the books, which is absolutely ridiculous. My publisher reviewed, you know, all my social media as well as my books and said, there's no hidden messages there. They did turn around, give this person an opportunity to write a short story because they were under the impression that this was a young uh, lesbian nurse, that this was the persona this person played online. Hmm. Um, Once, you know, I came out with blue Dawn and it was really just the announcement of blue Dawn. This person uh, contacted a fellow author and threatened my life. Um, then proceeded to harass me online and send other threatening emails and videos to me. Law enforcement got involved. Uh, we found out it wasn't a, a young uh, lesbian nurse. It was a 39-year-old guy living with his father um, who had been fired from his last job for issuing terroristic threats, a crime that he pled guilty to in Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, to me, this was kind of a dead issue. Um, right. You know, you're dealing with a whack job at this point in many respects. And um, I thought this was all over. Well, when my last Battletech novel came out, these people proceeded to protest. And they protest to the people who own the license for Battletech. While Catalyst Game Labs is the current licensee, they protested to Tops and Fanatics who actually own the license. And there's, I was told by the president of Catalyst that their solution was make this go away. And the way he approached that was to end our 37 year relationship. Wow. 
Wow. That he would not be publishing my works going forward. Um, you know, it was disheartening. And, and I even said, how do you know? This is a small number of people complaining to begin with. How do you know it's just not one or two people with some fake accounts? And he said, right. it, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Uh, that doesn't matter. I said, well, he said, you're alienating half of my audience. And I said, well, wait, yeah, let's back up. My book came out in February. The ratings on it are on par with all my other books. Uh, the sales for that book are on par with my other books. So where's the alienation? And he, he flat out told me, he said, sales don't matter. Um, uh, 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 Blaine, so, so let me pause. We're talking with Blaine Pardo, and let me be clear. I apologize if I've got my notes in front of me now. The, the, uh, the, there's a, he's got two books out in the last two years, one just a few weeks ago. Uh, the, the most recent is called A Most Uncivil War. Um, it's the second in the Blue Dawn series. And the first one, of course, I just mentioned was Blue Dawn. Um, and so... Let me be clear, though, and, and I, I but but I, I, as I say this, it's in the tradition of like every major writer, Aldous Huxley, Orwell, all kind, you know, Hemingway didn't do sci fi, but I mean, he certainly experimented in in terms of ta- short stories. So your stories, um, by the way, I'm a big fan of Canical uh, of Leibowitz is another one. Walker Percy did a series of of sort of uh, futuristic dystopian uh, novels. So this is exactly in that genre. Like and if you do sci fi writing, you only almost inevitably imagine the future and what's happening. So these two books they're they are creative and they are about the sort of uh, problems of, of a, of a nation being pulled and pu- pushed and pulled, but I, I, they're not particularly a call to arms. So is it just that, is that your point Blaine, that it's just this woke culture. They run scared from the first complaint as opposed to, accurately assessing oh he's written a manifesto in his you know he's the unabomber let's check things they're not publishing the unabomber but why is this happening i mean sci-fi has to be on the edge right these guys shouldn't be too scared but they are well you know this is part of what's going on right now within science fiction and within the gaming industry that this woke mob does it, you know, as much as they claim they want diversity and inclusiveness, what they really want is everybody to agree with them and their ideology and anybody who even remotely, and, and as you point out, these are works of fiction, okay? It's not like I said, this is coming. This is what's going to happen. They're an exploration. They're fiction. And, and but there's no room for that anymore. Now mm-hmm. you have to tow their woke line. You have to play this game. And if you don't, they cancel you. Um, The part that was really upsetting to me, too, is my publisher, I told him, I said, you've got a number of progressive left-wing artists and writers working for you. They post stuff online that I find offensive, and I think most conservatives would find offensive. So, you know, are they going to be let go, too? And it was like, well, we're going to have a talking to them, but no, this is about you. And that told me that this was more than just you know, someone saying, look, we've gotten some complaints online, your social media posts are, you know, can upset a few people, which I'm sure they did. Uh, I don't care. Uh, Being upset, you know, you don't have a right in this country to not be upset, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, what he was really saying was it was my politics. At least that's how it felt to me. Now, I'm sure their position is very different. I don't care. Um, I know when I'm being targeted as a conservative. And if you're going to allow people to post stuff about abortion and and about other things that, you know, saying that Republicans should burn in hell and things like that, that I find offensive, but you're going to keep them on. 
and let them continue relationships with you, but you're going to let me go. Um, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. Well, it's not, it's actually not just crazy. It's kind of un-American, right? The point of the un-American is you, we got lots of people and you, you, you used to be, by the way, you'd be a lefty, like a left, you know, go a hundred years, muckrakers and all, they were far left people and they were allowed to publish their stuff. And people said, Oh, those guys are crazy or whatever. But um, we're talking with Blaine Pardo, the author, 37 books you've written for your job, two novels now. So you're a writer, a successful writer. You, I, I assume you didn't write the 37 books in, in three weeks. So you've been at this for decades, but that, that also, brings the point me to this point you probably can find a market and know how to write to uh have wrong phrase but to survive to you know to have make a living to be productive maybe i don't want to i don't want to assume that it could be that but if you're 25 and you see what happens to Blaine pardo it doesn't take long for you to realize the best thing to do is not allow my opinion to ever be out there i mean that's the real chilling effect they may want to damage you Blaine Pardo and they're, and they're and they're succeeding at it, but they're really trying to change the behavior of the rest of the nation. It's it's you're dead on accurate. This is about driving somebody into silence. And what they really want is you're entitled to your views, but you can't ever express them. And to me, that's a violation of my first amendment rights. I'm a passionate person about my conservative ideals. None of my, my beliefs, by the way, are radical alt-right. They're the things that tens of millions of Americans believe in themselves. But if you voice them, you open yourself up for being attacked. Now, I've got big shoulders. My publisher of Blue Dawn's a completely different publisher. Right. You know, and they support conserv they don't care what my politics are. They've told me we don't care what your politics are. Sell some books. Yeah, just sell, sell books. books. <laughs> and, and I do. Um yeah. Yeah, but these other folks, you know, from a science fiction perspective, they don't want any of the the publicity. They don't want any negative press. And they cave to this cancel culture mob, these social justice warriors, whatever they want to call themselves. They buckle to them. And and I told the publisher at the time, I said, you are literally putting them in charge of your your process. And not only that, you are siding with the person who threatened the life of your most productive and best-selling author. You are taking well, and that Blaine, person's yeah. side in this argument. Yeah. You think about what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking with Blaine Pardo again, the, uh, the author, and I'll put up on social media a link to his a column he wrote on Substack and, uh, and some other things. But I want to quibble, not quibble, I want to uh, push back on something you said. I, I know you, what you mean when you say it's meant to silence you so you won't say it out loud. But I think... You see, we see enough examples of sort of shifting what what is acceptable truth such that you'll be penalized for having the view. In other words, if you for example, if you if you say, uh, you know, I think that, you know, uh, ARs should be allowed to be owned, they're covered on the Second Amendment. There's a point here where initially it's like, oh, you can't say that it's politically incorrect. You're going to be called, you know, uh, you know, a baby kill, all that stuff. Or abortion's a good one. It used to be that you'd say something like, well, I'm against abortion because I'm pro-life. I think it's a baby. The other side won't say, uh, I'm choosing the woman's life over a baby's life. They won't say that. They'll say it's a bodily choice and all. But it's becoming more and more common for, you know, the government saying, hey, the acceptable position is abortion is, for example, health care. If you're opposed to basic health care, you're not just a, 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 a knuckle dragon, uh, mouth breathing guy. You're against what your acceptable opinion should be. You have a problem. Now, maybe they'll call it mental health for now, but it's getting it's faster 
it's it's accelerating towards penalizing you for your viewpoint and uh, and as opposed to just saying stay silent. And another example is January 6th. Some of those prisoners that did nothing, they didn't hit a cop. They didn't break a window. They're sitting in jail and they're sitting in jail being called an insurrectionist because they had an opinion that tens of millions of other people had. So it's not just don't have that opinion. It's watch us take away your liberty for it. Absolutely. You know, the government is is driving a lot of this. And, and you know, even in when I did the Blue Dawn book series, I and this was before Biden was even sworn in. I, I wrote about the Truth Reconciliation Board, you know, that the government right. established to drive this. You know, Biden turned around and, and said, hey, we're going to have a disinformation governance board. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're literally writing this stuff right out of an Orwellian perspective. And if you can't allow fiction out there, and it's okay, by the way, to have fiction that targets conservatives or targets liberals, who cares? But if you're not going to allow fiction to exist, then you know, you're literally at a point now where you're controlling every aspect of the culture. And this is what they're driving for is we're going to define what the culture is and we're not going to allow any voices out there. Now, I outside of the Blue Dawn books, the stuff I wrote for Baltech, I didn't insert my politics into any of that stuff. And the publisher knows that. He's acknowledged that in writing. Right. It doesn't matter. Now, those books are, are targets because, you know, we can't, we can't have you as a writer be a conservative on our staff. It looks bad. And you know, uh, when you start censoring at the source, that's yeah. corrupt. Yeah. Uh, Blaine L. Pardo has been our guest. Uh, he's an author, a prolific author. But the last two books, uh, one is entitled Blue Dawn and uh, the other is just out a few weeks ago is A Most Uncivil War. Uh, Blaine, I know I'll put up on social media the recent column on Substack, but where do you send? I know those books are sold at Amazon everywhere you can buy books. But do you have a your own website where people can learn more about you and your writings? They can go to blamepardo.com. Uh, you can follow me on social media. Um, obviously with me being canceled, there's a lot of stuff going up on that right now. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not holding back my opinions at all. <laughs> I'm not caving. I'm not, yeah. I'm not apologizing. If anything, I'm going on the offense. Cause this is, this is crazy that this is happening in, in science fiction. It's crazy. It's happening in our culture. Mm. All right, Blaine, thank you for coming on. And let's uh, let's have you back on again. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I, 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 there's a lot of us uh, do talk uh, radio, do talking, and you have a, uh, a wonderfully, uh, I don't know, peaceful way of talking about these hard subjects, which is important. So uh, thank you for taking the time and we'll visit again soon. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on. OK, everybody, Blaine Pardo, I will put all that up on social media and uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, time to check in with Todd Benzman of uh, the Center for Immigration Studies, their senior national security fellow. Uh, last week, we talked to Todd. We had a lo- long conversation, about 15 minutes, about what was happening at the border and the superhighway for the migrants coming in. And, and Todd, I, I ran it twice because I got such a reaction the first time, and then it passed around. All, a lot of our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles across the country were uh, really I- interested and helped by having your explanation of what's going on. So welcome back, Todd Benzman. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing great. Glad to hear that uh, people got something out of that interview. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you're like a one man uh, army to try to get the word out on this, and it's, it's and you're good at it. But it's so we got to keep amplifying it. So it's been great. So thank you for that. So again, Todd Benzman, cis dot org. You can go there. His uh, author page. You'll see his. Uh, he had a post on this subject of the migrant superhighway, um, and um, I'm getting excited. By the way, have you have you found a place to include the uh, cutting the ribbon? Or my reference last week when you you were so kind to compliment yes. my uh, my yes, use of I that. Have. So <laughs> I've used it a couple times on interviews. Oh, good. Well, good. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. Great. Good poets borrow. Great poets steal. That's my line. So oh, yeah, <laughs> steal, steal away. All right. So Todd, what's happening? Is it for first of all my standard question, which I drive you crazy with? I bet is anybody noticing? I mean, all this attention we've been trying. Are people starting to pick up on this? I would say that in the conservative biosphere, the conservative media biosphere, yes. But mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for the New York Times' big story to, cor- to <laughs> update their last one and the, new, the Washington Post and all the rest of them. Uh, I'm not seeing anything in the regular left-wing media, I guess you would call it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, but there is, there is um, you know, some development happening. I mean, it's for sure... Uh, a super highway through Mexico. And I just got off the phone a little while ago with a, a source of mine on the ground right now in Southern Mexico with the migrants. And um, what's happening is that the Mexican government is now, it's a little bit complicated, but it's still the super highway. They're handing out uh, what they call expulsion notices to uh, all uh, single adult migrants the expulsion notices, though, are for the an expulsion to a northern Mexican state, uh, especially Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. And in, when they get to Oaxaca, they're supposed to apply for a further uh, 30-day visa that then gets them to the northern border, their northern border, our southern border. Either okay. way, it's just it's just a little extra bureaucratic wrinkle. Uh, but it is it, it's it's slowing them down enough that they are you know like a week they have to wait in line there there are a lot huge lines and uh, they're all mad about it so when you see protests and demonstrations down there they're not mad about being blocked in along the Guatemala border for four months they're mad about being blocked for a week hmm. they want to just be able to go straight through and. Those expulsion letters are turning up on the ground now uh, on the Rio Grande banks. Oh, really? Uh, so Todd Benson's our guest, CIS.org. Uh, back up for one second um, to this question. You've talked before about how the word spreads. I, I think one time you were describing how there'll be people texting on the border to back to their home country saying, hey, it's working great. You know, come on down um, in, in, in terms of the perception and then the reality on the ground. The superhighway now that you've been describing for a few weeks and this system of being able to pass through without the danger of, of some of the previous uh, types of, of travel, uh, is the word spread? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of word that spreads almost instantaneously when a uh, road block opens up. It just goes viral. Road opened. Mexican hmm. National Guard turning the other cheek. Get this. Get go to this uh, location and pick up your your free pass, your fast pass, quick pass. 
Wow. And they take uh, photos of themselves with the documents. It goes all back to the home village. Everybody comes. That's how it works. And if Kamala Harris wants to say the border's closed or Mayorkas say, say we are enforcing all the laws, uh, they are going to defer to their friends, neighbors, uh, and relatives who are taking photos and videos of themselves getting on the buses to New York. Do you, Todd, when you, when you say that they'll take a picture of the passes, are they using social media or are they using just texting back and forth or both? Uh, they use everything. Uh, Instagram, uh, especially WhatsApp chat rooms, uh, you know, like all Cubans, there's two or three big Cuban chat rooms. Uh, Venezuelans all have their own chat rooms on WhatsApp. Uh, and you can go there and lurk around. I've done it before. Um, you have to know Spanish pretty well to do it, but you can, you know, people will give you these and you can watch what's going on in there and they'll, they'll send, um, you know, they'll, they'll FaceTime each other from, uh, one country to another and say, look, here I am, you know? So, um, you know, lots Um, of different ways. And and so as and so, I I think you've trained me over these years. Again, we're talking with Todd Bensman, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org, over these years that the hot summer can be one of the most dangerous times in terms of the trafficking, in terms of uh, of migrants, and also and also because of that, it slows down. You're not seeing the slowdown, right? Because it's not as dangerous. Well, we're also not seeing the slowdown because everybody's so excited to get in. They're being let in at the border. When they reach, the, when they reach our border and cross, uh, if you are Venezuelan, Colombian, Nicaraguan, you know, anywhere you know, in the world, for if you're from anywhere in the world, within 48 hours, you're on a bus to Palookaville, anywhere in the United States. So it's a very, very exciting time to be an illegal immigrant. Uh, so no amount of heat, no amount of rain or, you know, nothing will, is going to dampen uh, the enthusiasm to cross, except that if they suddenly can't get across, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that also gets spread through social media and they don't come. They wait. Um, Todd, is there anything changing the dynamic in terms of, like that that you would see coming is there you know is there um, a a period where for some reason they have to change the policy or i mean or is this just the new normal no i mean all indications are you know the biden administration's official policy you'll hear them say this all the time is safe orderly and humane and different variations of that that is their policy not deport, stop, deter, shut it down. Uh, and recently in um, an interview, I think with uh, CBS, you know, Mayorkas was on there and he was, or I'm sorry, with Fox News actually, and Brett Bayer asked him, are you, um, what's, what is your policy? Uh, are you going to try to deport and stop this? And he said, what we want is to give everybody access to our legal systems which means asylum or asylum systems. That's their policy, man. Uh, and of course, you know, we know the asylum system is just a fast pass into the country forever. Um, that's right. I mean, it's almost impossible. It's like whack-a-mole. I mean, again, it's, it's so, so frustrating and so, uh, so problematic, but if you, you know, you can imagine why it works, you know, safe, humane, orderly, 
And then they say, and then we'll get to legal redress. So you can, if you really have a complaint that's, you know, rises to the level of the, uh, of the a legal claim, you'll have a chance to go in and uh, get that adjudicated. The problem is, is you and I, we could talk for days on this. Uh, uh, many of the migrants, Im- illegal immigrants never go to their next hearing, right? They never get to it. That's a big problem. And secondarily, if you fill the um, uh, uh, administrative law judges with people that are sympathetic to it, they just rubber stamp it. It's like, uh, you know, it's it's one of these examples. So now you're three or four steps into the process uh, where you haven't been able to sort of whack the moles along the way. Right. I mean, it, and so you try to explain to the American people that the asylum system is corrupted by all these lawyers and advocates who play both sides of the system. They don't even they, they, they can't follow it already and 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 so you know you're kind of i mean you have to salute how wonderfully corrupt it is in terms of actually admitting what the policy is you know we're going right. to let illegals in and we're not going to enforce the law but it's very difficult to see how to stop it right and you know they're pe- progressives and people like my orcas are you know they're technically correct when they say we want to give people access to our legal system but right. the, the subtext to that they there is a a legal system that they can access it is the law that they can access this and so they're correct they're correct in that the problem is that the law is so uh broken and abused that it allows everybody who avails themselves of it to get into the country forever it's just a bypass and the progressives really understand this that is why they are among its its greatest advocates uh, because they understand that everybody who uses it gets in to stay in pretty much forever it's permanent yeah well and and, and of course again back to the point if, if you, you can't you cannot invoke the law the legal protections you're not supposed to be able to until you can get to the country i mean once you get into the nation then they say well now you're in the nation you get to do this if you had a darn wall and you couldn't get through or over the wall you'd have to go down to the gate and before they'd let you step in and get in the system they'd say oh no you're not eligible right and and so you'd be cutting off you know some percentage not all of it perhaps but it's enough that the and, and europe experienced this with the schengen protocol that now they have all this movement and you can't stop it it's just uh it's a disaster but they know how to play the the, the system better all right todd i gotta run yeah. I, Todd Benzman, thank you as always uh, for the update. Thanks for your reporting. I, I almost want to say that uh, having you back on again so quickly is to encourage you on your recent report because it was very valuable for folks. And please keep up the writing and, and the communicating uh, on these important issues. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for magnifying it. It needs it. All right. Todd, thanks, Todd. Todd Benzman, CIS.org, CIS.org. Go there and check out his writings and all of his colleagues there, the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, We will uh, take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, wrapping things up, we're almost out of time today. Uh, Let me say uh, this. I want to encourage you to go and sign up for the daily email, the Wink. The daily email is called the Wink, W-Y-N-K. What you need to know, what you need to know. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up there. Just put in your email address. I promise I don't sell it, trade it. I don't know anything with it except send you an email each day, Monday through Friday. And more and more people tell me, 
it's a really helpful thing because the daily wink gets you what you need to know. Uh, a few articles, uh, some insight and analysis and a couple of comments, and it arms you for the rest of the day. So if you get it at 8 a.m., if you're on the East Coast, 5 a.m. on the West Coast, if you get that in, in your inbox, you can uh, be ready for the rest of your day. So go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for the daily wink. Uh, you won't regret it. Okay. And let me say thank you to um, Noah Dingley, our great producer, as always, for keeping things on. You wouldn't know I make I make his life more difficult than it should be because I my segments are often irregularly um, sized. I go long with an interview or, or go short with a, a commentary. So thank you to Noah Dingley. Thank you also to Joanna Spilger for getting us such great guests and booking them. So we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.